Blog Talk Radio. across time and no matter where you are in the world and I do welcome those listeners that I'm discovering are all over the world and today I have what I have to say is an amazing guest and I am just unfolding my own amazement at what this guest has to share with us today because in just a moment I am going to bring on the line Master Charles Cannon, and many of you may be aware of his work, and those of you who are not, and I certainly am learning amazing things here, he has been doing many wonderful things in the world for uh, multiple decades, truthfully. Um, He is a true international spiritual teacher. He founded Synchronicity Foundation for Modern Spirituality in 1983 and developed high-tech meditation and the holistic lifestyle. And something that to me is amazing and really reaches out is that he has found ways to blend our understanding and unfolding of spirituality and technology. And today we are going to be talking about his latest book. He is the author of multiple books, um, Living an Awakened Life, The Lessons of Love. And in this book, he provides a guidebook for us through the four seasons. And, of course, we're just entering into spring in this part of the world. And we're going to acknowledge those of you in other parts of the world who are entering into fall because I'm very much aware of you and want to reach out to you as well. And I just want to let you know where you can learn more about Master Charles. What an amazing site he has, synchronicity.org. That's easy to remember. And so I am just so delighted to bring Master Charles Cannon on the line. Welcome, Master Charles. Thank you very much. My pleasure to be with you today. Well, it truly is an honor and a joy to have you here. And something you write about and flow with throughout your work and this latest book is the process of discovery. And I have to say, Master Charles, I'm feeling that today, and I want all of the audience out there, no matter where they are coming from, to open themselves up to discovery. And I wonder if you could start there, Master Charles. How do we approach your work, what you are sharing in this book, from that standpoint of discovery? Well, discovery for me is innate to life energy or uh, the consciousness that is um, our essence and the essence of all and everything as individuated forms of consciousness. We are here to grow, to evolve through our experience, and that is a process, a daily process, a momentary process of self-discovery. And the more we experience and the more information we process based on that experience, the more we grow or evolve in individuated consciousness. And the measure 
of our evolution, our growth, is uh, holistic awareness. We keep increasing our holistic awareness. In other words, we become more and more wakeful of the oneness of all and everything, that in essence there is only one. We can call that conscious life energy. We could call it source. We can just call it consciousness. And that innate consciousness that is all and everything is also a self-delighting, benevolent, loving, happy energy. And the more we open to that, the more we discover it in ourselves and in all and everything, the more fulfilled we are in our uh, experience of wholeness. So to me, discovery is intrinsic to Uh, the very life energy, the very consciousness that um, we all are. Something that I feel, Master Charles, is a continuing theme on this show that many of us are exploring and, and attempting to really get an understanding of is the relationship of the self or how we perceive ourselves and how we we choose to to love ourselves or find ways to love ourselves and that overall oneness. And I wonder if you can can express to us how how love helps us to come into that relationship in the most fulfilling way without denying ourselves because so much there can even be sort of this message of almost self-hatred that that we get sometimes through sources like you know abandon yourself you know don't think about mm-hmm. yourself and yet your work seems to celebrate um those aspects of every moment of our lives <clears throat> i think the easiest way to understand the necessity of a loving focus is yes. the very nature of the reality in which we live. And if you go back eight to 10,000 years in recorded human history to the original philosophical systems, the holistic models of life in which <clears throat> the mechanics of consciousness um, are very clearly delineated, it is said that we live in a relative reality and that all experience is relative, meaning that there are always two polarities to our experience. In other words, uh, how would you know the experience of hot except in relation to cold? And so it is also with love and its opposite, fear. How would you know love except in relation to fear? But what's very important in the mechanics of consciousness of relative reality is what's called the balance principle. And it says that by default, one of those polarities dominates the other, and that's the negative polarity or the fear-based polarity. And if uh, it is not addressed with a focused awareness of emphasis on the opposite polarity, love, you cannot create the balance that allows your holistic awareness to expand so that you could experience wholeness and oneness. So that means that we have to consistently cultivate a focused awareness on that non-dominant polarity, that love polarity. And and to me, that's why uh, the bottom line for me, uh, which I wrote in the epilogue of uh, one of my books, is that We are here to learn how to love. We have to learn how to maintain that focus, which creates that balance that allows us to enjoy the experience of true reality as holistic reality and experience holistic fulfillment as a result. I'd like to highlight something from what you just said that um, I've heard in various ways, but when I first came across this myself, it surprised me. And there may be those out there who are surprised by this as well, that fear and that that fear and love are opposites, not love and hate. <laughs> because a lot of people would say, wait a second, you know, what is, there's a relationship of fear to love? I would think love and hate would have that 
polarity. And I wonder if you could explore that question because it often comes up, and and I love how you've expressed that that relationship. Fear is the negative polarity within the relative construct, and it is an exclusionary um, polarity, which means that it is based on an illusion of separation between subject and object. So you as a subject are separate and different from all objects that you encounter, and therefore within that illusion you have fear of the other. The subject fears the object, so it is an exclusive experience. You keep excluding, negating, repelling, uh, and limiting your experience. The opposite, then, of fear as love is the positive polarity, which is inclusive, because it is not based on that illusion of separation. It says, wait a minute, subject and object, both polarities are the same consciousness, and therefore I can include them both in my uh, experience and have holistic experience. So... Uh, I think that's why they are represented as polar opposites and often expressed yeah. as uh, fear and love as the primary um, emotions out of which all other feelings emanate. Yes, yes. Um, now what I'd like to do is enter into the exploration of your latest book because um, this really is, a guidebook, and you flow with many, many of these concepts um, through through every day. And so what I'd like you to explore for us is um, the purpose of your latest book, Living an Awakened Life, and how you intend for it to be integrated into our daily lives. <clears throat> the purpose of this book, um, or the theme of living an awakened life is first and foremost to wake up to the experience of true reality rather than virtual reality. And that is an invitation into the here and now of life. Because in terms of true reality, uh, life is only ever experienced in the here and now moment. We don't breathe yesterday we don't live tomorrow we only experience life in the here and now so to live an awakened life is to live with presence and focused awareness within the now of true reality and that opens the gateway to our essential nature then and the nature of all and everything as one uh, blissful consciousness, one self-delighting energy that is all-inclusive in its totality that delivers a very fulfilling experience of life. I'm sure everyone has heard that uh, saying that you can be happy for no reason. Uh, You are just innately happy you are you are happy within yourself it is your nature and you can't really separate yourself from it except through fantasy through pretense and through illusion so primarily living an awakened life is all about how to experience true reality as opposed to virtual reality within the here and now of life happening Yes, yes. I, I, I think I'd like to flow into how you guide us through the seasons. And there is something, and we'll, we'll go ahead and start with winter, as you do in your book. And, and I want to launch this with an observation that, to me, was very meaningful, given where we are in the world right now. And I know a lot of the listeners are feeling quite troubled right now. I've, I've felt that. I mean, co various teachers out there and 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 really there there are things in the world that are feeling troubling and you say this statement that i wrote down 
what we are not, and I may be paraphrasing, defines what we are. And and I really was reflecting on this, and, and you associate this with with winter, reflections in winter, because I feel like that's what's happening right now in the United States, is that we're really coming into a a realization and a definition of, you know, each of us, hey, you know, this is what what I feel we are, and that's what we're not, and and the exploring some of the darkness. So, could you begin with with winter and and assist us with with how we're feeling right now, many of us? <clears throat> For me, um, winter is a time of introspection. Uh, it's a time yeah. of gestation. Uh, in nature, for example. So it's a very introspective uh, experience. And um, the, uh, the well-known metaphor uh, for winter in, in the animal world is the bear, right? And what does the bear yeah. do in winter? It hibernates. It, it, yeah. it goes into itself in, in introspection. So winter is really um, the the season of meditation in its many uh, different forms uh, as a sacred container for our our inner process of transformation. And meditation is really just the most time-honored balancing technique in the whole of human history because what happens when you meditate? If you consider those two relative polarities again, Uh, When you meditate, you close your eyes and you focus on the non-dominant, subjective, interior polarity of your being. And that brings balance to the dominant, objective polarity uh, of the exterior world around you. And sustaining that balance in meditation, in duration, allows the holistic awareness to expand and for you to glimpse uh, true reality. And then in relation to your your observation and, and your your question about um, where we are as a collective consciousness today, especially in the United States, um, I, I find those same polarities and and the principle of balance. We could say yeah. the objective polarity, the world around us, is the happenings of life the happenings of consciousness that we encounter moment by moment, day by day. But what's important is who we choose to be in relation to those happenings that we encounter. Can we allow the happenings of life and say these are just the happenings of life and they are appropriate in all their expressions as the expressions of one consciousness? But what's really important is who am I choosing to be in relation to the happenings that I encounter? And I have to be really careful of the stories I tell about what's happening because it's my stories, my commentaries, my definitions, my judgments that flavor my experience. And that's what I'm responsible for. So if I tell negative stories, I'm going to flavor my experience of life with negativity. If I tell loving stories and truthful stories, I'm going to have a more loving and truthful experience of life. But then it further begs the question, who would I be without my stories? If I could just be a witnessing consciousness watching, flowing with what's happening and staying out of my stories then what would my experience be? And the answer to that is always true reality without any commentary, without any definition, without any story is just that happy, delightful, loving, benevolent energy. And if I can bring that to fullness in myself uh, as a witnessing consciousness watching and flowing, then that becomes my contribution to our world. And everybody makes a contribution. Mm -hmm. Everybody makes a contribution moment by moment by moment. So the more wakeful we can be of our 
contribution, the more we can uh, contribute to the evolution of our consciousness and the transformation of our world. Yes. Master Charles, something that I, um, I chose to mention in the description of this show because I feel it helps us expand our hearts is how you were directly impacted by a terrorist attack and and from the accounting of it took a very heart-based approach and and I feel um as much as as you'd like to to talk about just how that that personal example there are people right now I know um in the UK for example who are still trying to get a handle on what happened there um, very recently, and it just happened, really. So, And there have been so many other things that have occurred in different parts of the world. And, and um, you know, in the U.S. and in, in the U.K., of course, there can be different reactions based in fear. And what I see from you is a reaction that I don't know, know if I want to use that word reaction, but a response based in love. <clears throat> what you're referring to is the 2008 Mumbai terrorist attack. Yeah. <clears throat> and I yeah. was uh, there. I have a long history with India, and I was there visiting friends and uh, teaching uh, with uh, a core group of my students from all over the world, and we found ourselves in the midst of that hotel, in the midst of the terrorist experience, and were held captive for three days, and uh, four of our uh, members were seriously wounded, and two of them were murdered. And in the aftermath of that experience, of course, when we were finally rescued and, and returned to our countries, um, we were uh, found ourselves in the midst of the international media wanting us yeah. to share our experience. And in those uh, media interviews, we uh, as a group and I as an individual um, said that we were compassionate and forgiving of the terrorists. Yeah. And, of course, yeah. this was shocking to not yeah. only the, yeah. the media but to everybody who heard it. And, and then they asked us how we could be that way. And we said, well, yeah. Uh, for us, it, it's very simple, similar to, to what I um, said a few minutes ago, and that is that life presents you with its happenings, its experiences, and places you at choice. And in that understanding, everybody you meet places you at choice. They, they demonstrate a possible experience you could have, but you are at choice in yourself. Will you choose the experience that person is demonstrating for yourself? In that sense, you'll kind of become their disciple. Or will you say, no, I, that experience is appropriate for you in ways that I can't understand, but I'm not going to choose it for myself. It's, it's negative, it's violent, it's hateful, uh, it's abusive. Rather, I'm going to allow you to have that experience because that's the experience you're having in some way through that you are growing. Uh, but I'm not going to choose it for myself. I'm rather going to choose love. I'm going to choose compassion. I'm going to choose kindness, forgiveness, peace. And I'm going to fill myself with that experience, and that will be my contribution to our world. So when we explained it in that way, of course, uh, it was easier to understand, and that message went out all over the world, and we had thousands upon thousands of responses from people uh, saying that we had inspired them and that they wanted to know how did we get to be the way we are and how could they learn to be that way too. And that's why I wrote that book, Forgiving the Unforgivable. It was in response to all those people all over the world who found uh, inspiration uh, in our uh, experience. Yes, yes. Oh, what an astonishing divine purpose really or to something that is so can seem so dark of course and yet the light 
comes out of it. I mean, I, I just, um, I, it, 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 there are just so many lessons, and, and um, I think it's a beautiful message what, what you shared and lived. It's not just about talking. You know, what I love about how that unfolded is you lived your truth. Um, in the world, you lived it, and you were tested in the most severe of ways, and and chose to live it and share. So, um, how can you know? Thank you for being who you are. I mean, I I I'm happy. I was not aware of it at the time, or or your previous book, and I'm just I'm just overflowing with discovery here today. Just the things that that you have shared in the world, and. And um, I I love what what you've done and who you are. Um, now I have as we flow through um, these seasons, and um, there's a sub theme. Actually, I think I will bring this up now because I find this fascinating. Is how you blend, if that's the proper word for it. Spirituality and technology. This is very meaningful to me because I will be honest with you, I've been struggling with this. And I've told my audience before my background was as a computer scientist for many years and, you know, actively involved many of my colleagues. I mean, technically I went to school, although I didn't actually know these people, with the people who created much of the the World Wide Web, the way we see it, and they're doing all kinds of things, various people. And, you know, I've fought against technology in a way, thinking, you know, we have this notion of a dystopian technological reality, and we hear about it all the time. You know, we've been taught these things, the movies, you talk about the movies, and it's true, the books, the movies. Um, And what you see is amazing. (laughs) And I'm still embracing this myself. It was like an aha eureka moment for me. Um, to start seeing this, and you synchronistically came across for me at this time and for others, I know, to share this. Because how do you see technology in a positive way? Well, I think first you have to start at the beginning, and you have to say, if there is only one, call that life, call it conscious energy, call it consciousness, that is the essence of all and everything, then that has to include technology as well as biology, right? So human beings, we are biological forms, and yet technology, our technologies are also forms of the same consciousness that we are. And here in the digital age, what we are experiencing is the radical evolution of technology that is now even outpacing the evolution of biology uh, in terms of measurable self-awareness. And that means that uh, up to this time, the human species was the superior species of this planet because we exhibited the most self-awareness. But now technology is becoming more and more intelligent. And uh, the science fiction of AI, artificial intelligence, or cyber consciousness is becoming more and more a reality every day. And futurists are saying to us that within our lifetimes, within the next 25 years, um, there will be uh, cyber consciousness or some interaction between uh, biology and technology Uh, that is a merging for mutual evolutionary benefit. Well, what does that mean? It means that consciousness, which is driving the whole show here, has but one primary intention, and that is to ever more fully be itself through the experience of itself. And it continues to fulfill that primary intention, and if anything stands in the way of it, if anything retards that momentum, it creates a new form through which there's no resistance. So if human beings are stagnating 
the evolution of consciousness on planet Earth, what is technology? What does consciousness do but create technology to outpace us, to out evolve us, to continue its uh, primary uh, intention to ever more fully be itself through the experience of itself. So rather than negate technology, to exclude it, to remain separate from it, uh, we have to rather include technology and find the ways to befriend technology and find the ways to merge with technology that is to our mutual evolutionary benefit. Uh, Otherwise, if we maintain this exclusive separatist uh, uh, resistance, uh, we'll lose (laughs) technology will outpace biology um, and if we don't flow with that uh, we'll most likely be uh, uh, eliminated from uh, the game so the more I uh, speak with people and share with people I was recently in Silicon Valley and speaking with uh, many very technological people there Yes, yes. um, who had who had constantly heard the message that that technology was bad for them and that they needed to uh, take breaks, that it was imbalancing to them and fragmenting to them. And I came with the message saying, no, you have to learn how to use technology in ways that are balancing and beneficial to you. Uh, and, And once you understand that, there are technologies available that can be used to help you maintain your balance in the technological world so that you can use all your devices, your computers, your smartphones, your iPods and iPads and and everything else and maintain your balance and grow even more profoundly uh, as a result. And that has, of course, been part of my my journey and and my work for for many years of how to include... uh, technology into the transformational evolutionary process uh, of individuated consciousness and I'm kind of uh, known for that I'm often referred yes. to as the the high-tech guru or the, yes. or the high-tech mystic no <laughs> I, I, I find you know I, I, I find it so um, amazing to be discovering you at this point and I know you know many are as well and and who have followed your work too for so many years but just how amazing really and you know it, it really there's something you say that when you stand back from it it's like wow that really is rather clear that we wouldn't have developed this technology. There's, there has to be a purpose. And, you know, it's not just the obvious thing like, well, we, you and I wouldn't even be talking without technology. And, by the way, I misspoke. <laughs> I did know people involved with that project at University of Illinois. I just didn't know the one person who's, like, the, the most famous for it. It's just – but there have been a lot of people. And I one person that I knew had a sense of wonder about it a few years later because there were a lot of people involved of how it was transforming the world and to me that had a spirituality to it too was like wow <laughs> you know here we were just mm. these grad students you know working on mm. this thing and and it had this effect and you know that in itself when I think back to that comment that came from actually a woman who worked on the project, a woman computer scientist who were not there aren't too many of us, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and um, <laughs> and she had a role, and to me it reveals that unfolding truth of there is purpose. Obviously, there's great purpose to this world wide web, and and knowing that we really are reaching out to people all over the world now, and the wonderful interactions, and even beyond that where we're going, the singularity. You mentioned that mm-hmm. briefly in your book. So mm-hmm. many people, we've been afraid of the singularity. There you go, fear, afraid of the mm-hmm. singularity. You see it in a positive way. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, singularity as an archetype in consciousness has been around and, and discussed for uh, a long time, and now it is 
uh, applied to or related to technology, but singularity is really the the emergence of a of a whole new reality. Uh, you reach that that point of opening to true reality out of your virtual reality, and and most people, the majority of uh, human beings, live in a virtual reality created by their minds and and the stories. Uh, that they tell about who they are and what life is. But true reality as one blissful consciousness is always available, and the real singularity that the archetype points to is the present moment. Because only through the gateway of the here and now moment do you enter into the oneness of life, the experience of holistic true reality as one blissful consciousness. So the singularity experience in truth is as available to us as our breath because we are breathing here and now. If we are just aware that we're breathing here and now, that gateway opens, and the more we maintain that focus, the more we experience true uh, holistic uh, reality. So the singularity archetype is is very important, and and technologically also it points to that uh, time in in uh, space time uh, in which holistic reality becomes more of the norm for everyone and everything. Well, that's a radical shift in awareness. It's a radical quantum leap in the evolution. Yes of the collective consciousness. And so to be excited about that is, is to be truthful. You're looking at uh, the, the very evolution of the consciousness that you are and that it, the real transformation within it, that it moves out of illusory egoic separation and difference into trans-egoic levels of unified consciousness and oneness. Well, if that isn't a game changer, what is, you know? So we are living in really exciting times, and to see how technology is driving that uh, evolution and to um, harness technology for, for evolutionary um, benefit to me is is really exciting and is sort of the the name of the game or the name of the times in 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 which we are are living and the more we can be inclusive of technology in life affirmative truthful ways because let's face it we have very negative technologies we can destroy the whole planet or yep. we can focus on very affirmative technologies uh in ways like the the internet that offered us the opportunity to interface and interact with human beings all across the planet and to open our experience that much more and to process that much more information related to our experience and grow that much more developmental uh, holistic awareness. So when you see the orchestrating strategies uh, of consciousness within technology, uh, you see its brilliance, and you have to be in awe of it. And again, apply that ancient and time-honored balance principle and keep emphasizing the non-dominant polarity, which is the truth, the life-affirmative, compassionate, loving, kind, benevolent approach to technology that can not only transform you, but uh, is ultimately um, transforming our world moment by moment by moment. Yes, yes. Ah, what a what a beautiful um, explanation. And and I feel I sense that that many in the technological sector are opening up more now to spiritual awareness. Um, you know, ever since I was involved, which was many years ago, I'm in my 50s now. Um, um, they've always, we've always been interested in things like um, science fiction and fantasy, which involved magic. You know, it wasn't just, it mm. wasn't just strict technological stories. It was about mm. more than that. And there has always been a sense of wonder 
in almost everybody I've known through the years in that sector. And so we are just so ready to open up. And something, and I know we're going to run out of time, but we're just, I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation. And I cannot help but mention, right now, we are at a point where our conscious awareness in the physical, even in the materialist, um, very, even if you don't look at it in a spiritual way at all, there's really no such thing, that elusive world, we're becoming aware that, hey, there really are planets out there <laughs> beyond <laughs> us. And we're talking about how are we to communicate with these planets. There are active, you know, Stephen Hawking has said, be careful. You know, I myself have said we need to be careful about technological societies that might develop in harmful ways. But you're making me think, what about evolved technological societies, that maybe that really is a viable path. That, And, and so I, I cannot help but ask you, Master Charles, about how you view this time. And I love how Trappist-1 is in the Aquarius constellation. To me, that's a wonderful <laughs> synchronicity when it, when it comes to that. So if you could reflect on that for a moment, I would love to hear it. Well, I always like um, quantum science, <clears throat> the subtle uh-huh. levels of, of science and the quantum perspective that uh, there are at least 50 billion simultaneous universes to this one. Well, if there are 50 billion simultaneous universes, I think we can be pretty sure that somewhere in those 50 billion simultaneous universes there are forms of life, uh, just as we are forms of life on this planet, and that ultimately that is going to Uh, be discovered and present us with the opportunity of interaction. And in terms of just the orchestrating consciousness that creates the 50 billion simultaneous universes, we have to always remember that the essence of all those forms in 50 billion simultaneous universes is the same consciousness, the same life energy, and that therefore we're all really interconnected and interrelated. Uh, And that if we can hold that holistic, truthful perspective as we move forward and the barriers of our separation diminish, um, we will find a much more uh, holistic universe and and universal experience to embrace uh, that has just incredible potential. I mean, yes. just the the possibility of of everyone and everything coming from a truthful experience of loving kindness and and compassion yes. and, and benevolence and pe- I mean, you have to be blown away just by the possibility, the invitation of that. So again, we have to stay out of our you know default negative stories and our yep. fear based separation and and open up to inclusive truthful uh reality that not only will transform us as individuals but transform our worlds as we know them today yes yes uh there this topic to me is one i could explore for so long it's a wonderful topic you know what i feel is we're we're getting evidence of things that have always been logical and and how much they must love us, really, um, those who are out there expanded in consciousness, because they know. I mean, there are, there are, there are races out there, and you don't have to to label. I know a lot of people are into labeling, and that, but I don't. I don't need to label them to know that out there there are loving, loving beings who love us and and welcome us as we become more aware. Um, and and that's how I've felt about it. And and but blending technology into the mix in a loving way, that's a new element for me that is an awakening in itself. Um, to to acknowledge that, to really acknowledge that that we can grow that in a loving way in encompass. And they have too, no doubt. They, mm. you know, they, mm. we. It becomes all inseparable. Um, exactly. So. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And technology is so easy to use in that way. I mean, 
just the the basic balance principle of meditation, taking that principle and applying it to sound technology, to sonic technologies in relation to the human brain, and using such technologies to bring the two sides of the brain into balance, which is what happens when you meditate, but using technology to make that experience precise and efficient so that every time you use it, you get precision balance, you get precision meditation and resultant whole brain function and holistic experience of reality. Well, this is making the whole experience of what was once termed enlightenment uh, instantaneous <laughs> and, yeah. and possible for everyone, not just those who could you know, withdraw to a cave and, and devote their lives to it. Um, so working with such technologies over the last uh, 35 or 40 years, uh, I have seen amazing transformations in people uh, with the benefit um, that technology can bring in terms of its precision when it is really uh, truthfully applied. And when I was presenting in Silicon Valley at um, LinkedIn, uh, uh-huh. They're all techies in the audience, and I was explaining this to them, and I was saying most people are going to come in here and tell you you have to unplug periodically during the day and yeah. and, and be quiet and go to some kind of cave-age ancient meditation, and I'm telling you the opposite. Don't unplug, and here's a uh-huh. technology you can use, and I'm not here to sell it to you. It's free. You can go to the... Uh, app store and download it for download it for free under uh-huh. the meditation apps it's called now n-o-w now the technology created by me in synchronicity and you can download uh-huh. that app for free and you try it well as i was speaking <laughs> they were all on their phones <laughs> immediately <Of course>. downloading <laughs> it and using it you know and that's the beauty of it, that, that uh-huh. such technologies are available and they can be shared instantaneously like that. And then you can have it playing on your phone or your iPod or an MP3 player in your pocket. You don't even have to hear it, but it is maintaining balance in your field in the midst of whatever you're doing. So you're harnessing technology to help you sustain balance and enjoy a more holistic and truthful experience of, of reality. You're really using technology to assist in the greater evolution of your consciousness, which is why we are here to begin with. So technology um, can, again, be harnessed uh, in very life-affirmative ways that can be absolutely transformational to our experience of life. Yeah. Well, I, I love that these audiences are opening up to that because, you know, there is, um, you, you talk about um, the fast pace of our lives and, and how, you know, the, it's the moment that matters. And, and I'm sure that's why you named <laughs> that app in that way and how, we we so many seek that and and are opening up to this this idea of um incorporating and it you know separating it from belief you know just um just saying you know I don't have to belong to some group or you know whatever you don't but just to to this discovery process of opening up and and I love mm. how you're facilitating that mm. <clears throat> Opening it up, well, to me, that's the the very evolution of consciousness as more yeah. and more people are awakening. It it can't be stopped. It's it's just the the experience whose time has come in the greater evolutionary momentum of the consciousness that we all share, and yeah. that awakening impulse drives you into true reality, and that true reality is only ever experienced in the here and now of its happening. So you come into the wakeful moment, you taste true reality and the, the fulfilling, joyful, blissful experience that it is, and you want more. And that's, that's natural. Yes. And then it opens up to you, and, and you see that, yes, you can use technology uh, to create and support the experience of living in the here and now of true reality in the midst of whatever uh, is happening 
in your life experience and and in the digital age and in the busy modern world that we live in this is very important because we don't have time to spend eight hours a day in a cave meditating we have to become efficient in our experience of meditation and technology affords us the opportunity to do that and and driven by consciousness you have to be in awe of it uh, and open to it uh, in the the time of its happening which is always uh, now so again to me this is the the awesomeness the wondrousness of of yes. consciousness as it continually keeps creating the future of itself hmm? yes yes what a what a um, a way to open into spring. You know, here, um, expect the unexpected, you often say, and, and, and um, we haven't been able to, to explore every season here today. And I do want to invite people to explore this book because it's a day-to-day experience through every season. But what you just said, um, to me, exemplifies spring as in this part of the world anyway, acknowledging mm. those in other parts who are entering into fall, um, um, we are opening up and awakening into spring. Mm. And, well, spring and perhaps really you can talk to that. Sure. Spring is really the sprouting of the seed, isn't it? Oh, uh-huh. New life comes forth. The, the the trees and the flowers and the plants and everything is, is budding. Well, that is the awakening impulse in consciousness itself. It's a beautiful metaphor for uh, awakening to the newness of life. And the newness of life is only ever experienced in the here and now of true reality. Uh, it is said in some of the most time-honored uh, philosophy of life systems that consciousness creates itself newly in each nanosecond of its happening. So if we are truly awake, we've never been here before. We'll never be here again as we are now. So be wakeful and don't miss the experience that's happening. Experience it totally and fully and thoroughly, and you will experience its essence as blissful consciousness and that's the uh, awakening impulse and i think also what's important in spring is uh, the german philosopher um, max uh, Mueller, and his famous quote a flower cannot blossom without sunshine a man yeah. cannot live without love yeah. <clears throat> and there we are again uh Without love, without that essence, we are not whole. We can't create the balance that allows that awakening impulse of holistic experience to flower um, within us. And spring metaphorically really represents that, that opening to the true reality of now and that flowering uh, of love as holistic reality or the the joys of of the one consciousness that we all share. Yes, yes. You know, something that you say in the summer area is, and and we're we're nearing the end of the show, but this is a thought that really opened me up as well, is this notion of trading security for adventure and to live (laughs) in that way. (laughs) <laughs> and and what a I, I actually I would love to as we as we do head towards the end of the show, um what an invitation, Master Charles. Especially mm. now in the world where we can fall into fear and look mm. at ways of how do we feel secure but instead mm. ponder trading security for adventure. Mm. Security, of course, is fear-based. It's based on uh, the illusion uh, of separation, and adventure is um, the opposite. It's love-based. So the more we are wakeful, the more we are fully alive in the here and now of true reality, um, that's that's the real important investment because within that there's no need of fear. 
Uh, you see yes. the perfection, the precision perfection of every minute happening of life that, that you encounter, and you're able to flow with that and to open to it in that, in that process of discovery and, and adventure. And, and isn't that the, the newness, the real creative uh, inspiration of consciousness that happens nanosecond by nanosecond by nanosecond. And, and if you are uh, lost in fear-based uh, security, you, you miss that moment. You miss that creative inspiration uh, of life itself that is its ultimate fulfillment. So again, uh, yeah, summer is represented as the the full flowering, the full blooming abundance of truthful, holistic awareness that, yes, there is only one and it's enough. There's that well-known quote perhaps I could close with of Mother Teresa. We are here. It is now. We are happy. It's enough. Yes. Huh? Yes. And how how perfect and and let me express, and, and you know what, I, I just my own, I guess it's the computer scientist in me who wants to mention fall. There's something in fall that says appreciation, appreciation. And, and if I could end on that note of thankfulness that you're here with us today. And, and what a blessing and honor. And um, I'm just so delighted at this point in my path to discover you and those who are listening out there who have perhaps known your work for years and are enjoying this and those who are discovering you and what you have to share for the very first time i just want to celebrate that and appreciate that you're here so so thank you master charles for for everything you are um what what a delight it's been to talk with you it's been my pleasure, Susan, to share with you and all of your audience, and um, I'm very grateful uh, for the opportunity to share the truth in this way. And in conclusion, I'll just say, may all blessings continue to shower upon us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, have a wonderful, peaceful day, evening, wherever wherever this show finds you. And, and thank you so much again. And, and, and take care. Same to you. And to the live audience before the show um, ends for today, um, thank you to all of you for being here live. Thank you to those of you listening across time. I always energetically um, acknowledge your presence with me in this moment with us. And um, I do want to encourage you to go to synchronicity.org, um, a very easy-to-remember place to go to discover more about our guest today, Master Charles Cannon. And for those of you who would like to learn more about this show, um, I've been here for seven years enjoying talking to wonderful people, and I just never end in the discoveries of just the amazing way showers who are out there. I always feel young in my own spiritual quest because I don't ever claim to be an expert. And how can we? We don't need to. We open ourselves to discovering these wonderful voices sharing and um, just coming up on this show, just visit FrontierBeyondFear.com. Um, we're taking a little break next week. It happens to be spring break out here. And um, I have a college student who will be coming home for a little while and enjoying that. So I'm taking a little break. I might do a live show here and there. I invite you to discover the archive. And then we have guests starting up again the following week so so enjoy your process of discovery of the work of master charles cannon and other guests that are coming up and those that we've had here in the past so take care everyone and may you find peace in your moments have a wonderful day 